I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Sharon Shaw. And, and welcome, welcome to, to School of Movies. <laughs> okay, the Batman. Fear is a tool. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning. I've been trying to reach you. Find the gun! This is about a king. And Rither's the match. I can take care of myself. If this continues, it won't be long before you've nothing left. I don't care what happens to me. It's only gonna get worse for you. Hear everything they say, ain't you? Maybe we're not so different. Who are you under there? I'm vengeance. This episode is about the Batman, but it's also a look back at all the Batman movies. I needed an angle, and I needed to say more than just, ugh, didn't enjoy this. Uh, I just said, let's do a Batman, but honestly, there have been so fucking many movies that I feel like Lucille Bluth could go, like, fish $10 out of her purse and go, go see a Batman. And she would actually have a relatively high chance of there being a Batman available to be seen. Okay, now, I wasn't sure whether to make what we're about to hear a main show and debate the film with a whole group of guests or whether I could or should save that for later or get it all done here and I think the short of it without spoilers is that I may change my mind on some of what I'm about to say depending on where the series goes from here I don't want to be seen as wishy-washy I want to be seen as Oh, no. I want to be flexible. Well, absolutely. There is a possibility of me changing my mind. Well, yeah, it, it is. And that's not... always a good way to approach movies. Yeah, it? it's not wishy-washy to entertain the notion that future iterations of something mm. might reframe your perception yeah. of it. So, for example, uh, Batman v Superman was my worst film of all time for quite a while mm. because of where it trapped... Not even specifically Batman, but Superman. And I'm still waiting for there to be a comeback from that. But um, I think I actually enjoyed Batman v Superman more than I enjoyed this. 
which if you know and you uh, my show and you listen to that episode you'll be like whoa I, I i mean you know it wasn't that bad surely this is this is matt reeves alex but yeah like i said i, I could change my mind on what i'm about to say depending on where the series goes from here if there are more movies with this bruce wayne and this batman and this gotham then there's room to diversify if it's more of this i am personally going to be thoroughly cheesed off but some folks will get the batman they deserve make sense okay because a lot of people really like this. You know, it was relatively highly rated uh, in, in aggregate. Let's see where it's at right now. Side note, by the way, uh, the most recent Spider-Man film just uh, cleared $1.8 billion. And the Batman has made $677 million. That's fantastic in a pandemic. And yeah, it's at 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is, that means that if you like this film, most people agree with you. So... Do not get too worried about what I'm about to say. Mine is the minority experience. If you didn't like this film, or you're looking at the poster and going, I have no interest in seeing this, listen on, because you might get a bit more uh, clarity on, on those thoughts. Because I've been mulling this over. I saw it a good week or so ago. It was chucking it down with rain. I really didn't want to go. But I had to go to see this thing. Effectively for work. Like, it's, it's what I do. And interestingly, this is, I'm, I'm sure I've said this before, uh, and I'll probably say it several more times, it was in this showing that I realized that the local cinema is a downgrade from our TV. Because, and we've mentioned this before, Screen 3 in particular delivers horrible, blurry, washed-out charcoal greys in this sort of muddy soup, rather than beautiful stark blacks and clear definition, which is what the uh, OLED screen that we have. It's the most temperamental TV we've ever owned, but it's just about worth it. So, you know, just getting up, going out, paying money, or in this case, supporting a, uh, a limitless card to see a movie, going in, sitting with everyone else, waiting the whole time through all of those adverts and all of those trailers and, and seeing the film in, in, in a state of discomfort. In this case, sitting in wet clothes, soaking in them for three fucking hours while the film is wetter than an otter's pocket. And then coming home to a dry house where I'm like, wow, this is so much better. I can just peel this shit off myself, have a shower, come downstairs and talk about this. And when I came downstairs, I was like, I don't even want to think about this film. I don't even want to think about the Batman. I don't want to see it ever again. And I'm still there. I'm still there in terms of that this is an ordeal I don't want to sit through. And I don't say that about many films. I'm racking my brains for a film that I, I have decided to never give a second chance to. Mm. And we watched Rotsuka Doji the other day. Woof. So every Batman film is in discourse with the previous Batman films. They either react to them and head further in the same direction, or they make an abrupt about-face and in some key way push against what was established in the past. Sometimes not even with the most recent Batman film. They are, in effect, often having arguments with films from 20 years ago or more. Batman v Superman is so angrily trying not to be Batman and Robin... <laughs> They, they killed Robin and put his fucking suit up in a glass case to say, forget it, folks, we are not putting nipples on this bat suit. 
And while Batman is celebrated as having a very flexible character who can sit comfortably with a variety of tones, I don't believe directors and writers are themselves comfortable with that variety, and nor are Warner Brothers. You'll notice, by the way, that it took until Batman v Superman to give us a Batman with a grey suit, and now we're back to black again. He's always in black. It's always black, black, black. Do you know what the Batman in the comics very rarely wears? Black. All black. Yeah, it was grey, doesn't it? Warner Brothers seem to often, but not always, pursue the darkest, grittiest, most, in very heavy comma quotations, realistic Batman that the creative team are capable of for that specific era. In the same way as Bond reflects his era, the Batman has to, like, the, Nolan's Batman was a reaction to the War on Terror. Snyder's Batman was a reaction to Marvel. Yeah, he was a bit. <laughs> and with that in mind, we can look back on what was considered gritty in the 80s or 90s or noughts or even 10s, and we can find it either gothically camp or purposefully dour, or even trying so hard to be grown up about a man who dresses as a bat and jumps off of rooftops every night to beat up thugs, that it descends into unwitting self-parody. It's Batman's perpetual self-seriousness that makes him so utterly mimicable. This is why the Lego version is such a winner with me, going straight for the throat in that movie and becoming a film about the mentality of Batman, both in Bruce Wayne's own ridiculous, crazy headspace and in the eyes of the fans who earnestly will him into this perpetually unhealthy cycle of behavior. It's saying, Bruce ain't in a good way. I mean, that's technically what the Nolan trilogy was saying. Bruce ain't in a good way. And by the end of that trilogy, he is effectively over Batman. You know, he moves on past this horrible stage in his life, which kept him in a state of arrested development. I've been a Batman lover since the Adam West TV show was screened on British TV, even though I went through my phase of rejecting his silly, gentle hijinks. I've recently come back around to enjoying the uh, Batman 66 movie. But I've studied Batman creatively for years. We have covered every single one of his past films, and they've been hugely popular episodes, even if the listeners saw those films differently. Batman Breakdown was a piece of audio fanfic that I produced in 2012. As The Dark Knight Rises was hitting theatres, I got mine out just a few days beforehand. It provided me with the dramatic basis for what would become the ongoing weekly New Century Multiverse saga, adapting Alan Moore's The Killing Joke into an audio motion comic the year after became by far the most successful thing I have ever done on YouTube. I could rehabilitate you. You needn't be out there on the edge anymore. You needn't be alone. We don't have to kill each other. What do you say? What do you say? No. No, I'm sorry, but it's too late for that. Far too late. 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. This situation, it reminds me of a joke. You see, there were these two guys in a lunatic asylum. That scored me a quarter of a million hits. The Killing Joke did before Warner Brothers took it down with the release of their animated movie. And even today, after some weirdo stranger re-uploaded it without asking me, the thing still gets comments and positive responses and I just it's it's very flattering but I feel divorced from that as content because I'm not really there there are people saying you should do more of these talking to the weirdo who re-uploaded it you should steal more of other people's work and upload it onto YouTube don't worry I am <laughs> so it's safe to say I know my Batman and even if I have subsequently pulled away from the comics due to a portion of DC's fan base being wildly toxic I know what is required to maintain the mindsets while performing as both Bruce and, extremely upsettingly, as Joker. It's honestly not a world I'd like to live in. It is, on the whole, bleak and angry and violent, and aspects of existence that I try to move beyond to immerse myself in something more hopeful and imbued with multifaceted emotions and powered by negotiation. So you can imagine what being dipped into this murky mire for three goddamn hours felt like. I came home and said, you know what? I think I might have preferred Joker. If you've heard our Joker show, you'll know that's saying something. So we begin the movie with this. There's going to be full spoilers about what happens. It's You're, you're in the voyeuristic eyes of a killer. It's uh, I was reminded of a movie we did in film studies back when I was a teenager, uh, Peeping Tom, a British film from 1960, directed by Michael Powell, where you are uncomfortably put behind the eyes of the killer, stalking women. It's still weirdly effective now. And the first Friday the 13th, I think everyone seems to forget that first-person viewpoint, which, again, just it's, it's bone-chilling. You don't want to be there. And both of those films are very Hitchcockian. Both have overtones of Psycho and Rear Window. You're placed in the horrible, unpleasant position of somebody voyeuristically looking in on a family, and there's this boy practicing fencing in this house, and it's this sort of... <sighs> mouth breathing as you're sort of sat there uncomfortably so like from the get-go this is not even like you know how the dark knight starts you with that here's a giant wide shot of chicago and then the like you know it's an imax shot and then the window breaks and the bank robbery starts and it just sort of slowly builds up to eventually meet the joker this is the opposite it's you're claustrophobically boxed in forced to look at this from the perspective of the killer, who is the Riddler, who eventually, um, you go into the mansion and the father sort of moves around his uh, room and then these two lights that are shining behind him suddenly move and the Riddler in a frenzy sort of bursts out <laughs> batters him with a carpenter's tool like fucking Leatherface and kills this guy in a very Seven style way. Again, they are pushing the PG-13 as far as they can but I mean, watching it, I can imagine certain kids would be like, oh, 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 I'm not allowed to watch horror movies, and this is like a horror movie. But a lot of other kids would be like, ugh, oh, Batman gets here soon to save the day. He doesn't. <laughs> Batman's basically picking up corpses through most of this film. 
Uh, when Batman finally does get to this scene and Gordon's trying to sort of clear up, there's a lot of very quiet talking, sort of talking in corners. And so again, this kind of fits in with the uh, claustrophobia of it. So like, you know, but Batman talks into his chest a little bit like this. Gordon this time is played by uh, Jeffrey Wright. It's almost like he jumped out of the Felix Leiter role and jumped into Gordon and was like, right, whoop, and I'm ready to do a whole bunch of other films. And uh, he, honestly, he's probably one of the best things in this. He and Zoe Kravitz as uh, Salino, I really dug their on-screen presences. They, they are two actors who are always great and are never used to their full extent. Used sounds bad. Never utilized to their full extent. So uh, Batman's in conflict with the cops and they seem to, to, to dislike him. There isn't that hero worship of them. Like, Christopher Nolan's third movie is really uncomfortable with how it lionizes the, the cops and it makes it seem like, you know, the, the baddies in Blackgate, the prisoners who've been locked up for all their wrongdoings, they're all bad, and these 60,000 cops who've all marched under Gotham and then been locked under and then don't come back up even though there are manholes all over Gotham. Here's the fundamental thing with the police in Batman stories. If the police are competent, ethical, and reasonable, you don't need Batman. This is like that God argument, isn't it? It's a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if the police are ineffable, in infallible, and omnipotent... Omnipresent. Yeah. But, I mean, the police are often uh, shown as, like, they're just decent guys doing their job, and then you get your occasional, you know, wrongdoer who's sort of taking money on the side, and wait, wait a minute. <laughs> There was a fellow taking money and they said, what, what, who was that? Which was that officer? But that's the thing, the, the... Oh my God, you didn't do it! Oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's my cue. Well, they don't like falafel. Yeah, the, for, for Batman to exist, there has to be a crack of some, some description, even if it's a small one, in the police force in Gotham. Even if you're going from the angle of the police are decent human beings who are just trying to do their job, they're just dramatically under-resourced, then that for the, for the crime to have risen to the point where the police force are overwhelmed and therefore Batman is required, something isn't being done right. You've got a corrupt authority doing something. And... Uh... It did kind of, uh, th there was one moment which it wasn't exactly satisfying, but it was like, oh, at least someone tried it. Uh, a bunch of cops are surrounding Batman, arguing with him in this room. It's, it's, it's going from civil to civil unrest. And one of them's like, give me that, and like sort of reaches across to grab Batman's cowl off his head so that they can just see who the fuck is under the mask. And he's like, no, get off my mask, me. <laughs> I'll say right now, I have always disliked Robert Pattinson as a screen presence. I have been told for years, oh, you're not Robert Pattinson. He's really talented. I've been told the same shit about Marky Mark. You know what? Still waiting for any kind of proof of that from Pattinson himself. Because right now, it is like watching a worm slowly crawl its way across the carpet. That is what his Batman is. He is a non-entity. He is so fucking dull. He is so fucking... He is an uh, absence of charisma. Uh, I'll actually, uh, uh, let's give you the rankings, shall I? I ranked the, my order of Batmans on screen. Only the uh, movie Batmans. Da, 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 Batman. Da, 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 Batman. 
That was the Hunt Zimmer and Tom Holkenborg Batman theme from when Batman V'd Superman. Okay, so, at number nine, Robert Pattinson, dead last. At number eight, Ben Affleck. I prefer Ben Affleck to this one. Like, there were times when he was relatively commanding. Very specifically, there was a separation between him being Bruce Wayne in a shirt and a waistcoat. Which he works quite well as. And him being Batman in the cowl. Robert Pattinson barely ever takes his cowl off. He's Batman the whole time. And I know they got that whole, like, you know, that, that there is your mask. I get it about the film, but it's like, okay, but kind of part of what Batman is, is the balance between how the man, you know, feels his daily life with how the man deals with his nights. And if you're only going to have him be Batman on the trail, on a detective case, for three fucking hours, in the same weather conditions the whole time at night. By the way, that poster is covered in peachy orange sunset. That is fucking bullshit if you've watched the movie. There is one scene, that is the one scene where they're up on the roof. Everything else is dingy grey and tepid green, the same colour as the Riddler's anorak. Number seven, Val Kilmer, for his lips. He was just kind of like, he was an okay Bruce Wayne and he was an okay Batman. George Clooney, after that, not a particularly fantastic, uh, very self-conscious Batman, but I liked his Bruce. For what is Batman, if not an effort to master the chaos that sweeps our world? An attempt to control death itself. But I can't, can I? None of us can. His, uh, I love you, old man. When he's just talking to Alfred in the bed, I'm just like, I feel for this, Bruce. That's the other thing as well. I would love to see old George Clooney come back and play old grizzled bastard Batman. Like, he's Batman beyond Batman. Yeah. Perfect. As in, like, old Bruce Wayne, but they're doing that same thing with Keaton instead. The animated series Batman, when he's in the Batcave doing Bat stuff, he takes his cowl off. He still has the suit on, so he's still Batman. But he takes his cowl off. Do you know why? Because the cowl is incredibly uncomfortable and you can't eat the lobster thermidor that Alfred <laughs> just brought, brought you if you're still wearing your cowl. I deserve this. Today I deserve it. Number five, Christian Bale. He's a little bit too ridiculous and shouty as Batman and kind of boring, but Christian Bale's Bruce had a lot of dimensionality to him. I liked that, and I liked his relationship with Alfred. There was flashes of that at the beginning of this, but then Alfred actually gets blown up. He gets a bomb. It's Alfred who is Andy Serkis, because of course it's Matt Reeves and Andy Serkis was Caesar, and he gets a package and it's a riddle like, oh, what's the only mail you don't want to get? I don't know, spam, notification that you owe taxes, news of a loved one's death, Dear sir, thank you for your application. Unfortunately, you know, blackmail, junk mail, flyers for pizza parlors you will never visit, pushy religious pamphlets saying that they have the answers to all the world's problems, something you bought online but when it turns up it's broken. No, hate mail. Hate mail is the answer to my riddle. You, you messed it up. Now go boom. And then, much like Jim Gordon in The Dark Knight Rises, he ends up in hospital for the rest of the time. He does live. Okay. Don't worry about it, because that way they don't have to deal with what happens if Alfred dies. Uh, and number four, Adam West. Hilarious as fuck. <laughs> and and just, uh, he was so 
dapper, debonair, and yet weirdly judgmental of rummies. It's filled with human jetsam. It's a low neighborhood, full of rum pots. They're used to curious sights, which they attribute to alcoholic delusions. Whoever dehydrated those pirates could not have foreseen their accidental rehydration with the heavy water we use in recharging the atomic pile. They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings. The <laughs> <laughs> number three, well on that, my Lego Batman. Just brilliant, hilarious, emotional, totally compelling the whole time, even though the whole thing is effectively played as a joke, it goes deeper than every other Batman story. Uh, number two, Michael Keaton, who I, I keep coming back to those two first Burton movies and just as I get older, they just get more appealing. Just the, the, the quotability of them and, and the, the crazy gothic. I just appreciate the gothic. Yeah. You know, because like, they don't do gothic for Batman anymore. It's all just, it's always just got to be realistic. That means your whole world is calibrated to that. So you get realistic versions of the Riddler. I don't even want to know what a realistic Harley Quinn is like. But yeah, no, the, uh, Michael Keaton's, you know, Do You Ever Dance With The Devil By The Pale Moonlight? He, he did the Batman and the Bruce in two different ways, which I appreciate. Nuts. <laughs> Let's get nuts. And I kind of, I'm looking forward to seeing him put the cowl back on again. Like, I, th I think he got the balance better than pretty much everyone well, else. Batman Returns is specifically about looking at the duality mm. of it. Bale would have been at number two, if he didn't do this. And he does do that. Bale in Batman Begins is number two. Like he's way higher because he he manages to keep that voice under control. And at number one, because of Mask of the Phantasm that was theatrically released, Mr. Kevin Conroy. Conroy. I'm not a coward who hides behind a gun. I would never take the life of another. For I am Batman. Look out! Dark night, the last remaining beacon of morality in the shadows of this town. Wait, what? What? What was that? What? You you just said you don't kill. Yeah, I know. It's like my one rule. Uh, yeah, Batman. Why don't you look at the guy that you? He's asleep. No. He, wait. What? Oh, I see what's happening. You guys don't know this, but uh, when criminals fight me, it's exhausting because I'm good. So they often have to nap afterwards. You think they're sleeping? Look at that poor little guy. He's all tuckered out. Oh my god, do you... Do you not know what death is? I totally know what it is. Batman, you have to know what death... I mean, your parents were shot and killed. My parents were shot, yes. But they're alive. On a special farm. Oh boy, they're on a farm. They're on a special happy farm. Where they make buttermilk. They romp and play. There's a hammock made of dreams. Wow. I, I, I can't even... They write me emails. Wow. 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 I don't understand what you find hard to believe. Batman, look out! About any of that. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? I'm the one you're after? Yeah. And the, wow! See, th 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 this is what we're talking about. Wait, but my fish, he went to sleep, and we flushed him down the toilet. He's in the ocean right now. He's alive. No, he's dead. Dr. Fishy! No! You see, Batman, what you did to Dr. Fishy is what you've done to these men. I overfed these men? So let's get back to THE Batman. 
We get no killing of uh, uh, the Waynes in this. Thank goodness. I like. Uh, I, I think it would have been absurd to see it. However, at the beginning, you know, I said that that father who's in a mansion gets killed by the horrible Riddler. His son is traumatized from it, and I said Bruce. Batman is at the crime scene, sort of inspecting the body, and the kid's over in the uh, corner, traumatized, and Batman glances over at him, and there is, of course, an accord. I'm like, that's nice. Nicely done. Mm. He, in the same way that that one kid keeps turning up in Batman Begins, Joffrey, um, <laughs> this one kid is the, is Bruce's inner child. He's this symbolic, like, we. I've got to rescue this kid from this terrible situation. And honestly, if the film had been this kid and Bruce relating to one another, I'd have been like, you know what? This is cool. What's your name? Tim Drake, you say? Kid gonna be Robin. Would have been good. Would have been good. Potentially. I mean, Iron Man 3 had a really great... Like, there, there should, frankly, have been more of that. The Robin character was, of course, invented so that kids would have an avatar, someone that could hang around with Batman and feel like them when they were reading the comics. Batman was kept at a slight distance. But with the movies, almost universally, it's you want to be Batman. You see the world through Bruce Wayne's billionaire eyes. When most of us are actually a lot more like Tim Drake. Regular degular Gotham background. Tim's smart and compassionate and a good person. And... I'll wager most of the folks listening to this podcast are much the same. But yeah, we've never seen Batman really be a father because when he finally adopts fucking Robin, he's like a 44-year-old man. Where will you go? The circus must be halfway to Metropolis by now. Get a fix on Two-Face. I don't want to kill him. Killing Two-Face won't take the pain away. It'll make it worse. Experiment the sermons, right, Bruce? I don't need your advice. I don't need your carry. Nice bike. Hang out at a lot of biker bars, Bruce. It's like, uh, can you adopt a man? <laughs> no, you could marry him. The, the first time we see Batman, uh, there's a whole bunch of, like, like crimes are going on. A lot, lot of blimey crimes are going on around Gotham. And the, the bat signal goes up. And then a bunch of clowns try to mug a guy in a, in a, a subway. And then the Batman emerges from the shadows. And they're like... Who are you? And it's like, he's been doing this for two years. You must know about this. And it's like, oh, sorry, you're just facilitating a really cool intro. And then he like grabs the guy and like punches him repeatedly and goes, I am vengeance. I am the night. Yeah, which made me think of Patrick S. Willems, Tommy Wiseau as Batman. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. <laughs> the Batman. Like I said, he's gone into self-parody now. Don't worry about it, Alfred. Everything will be fine. <laughs> I will find who killed my parents. I will get them. And whenever he does it without observing that he sounds like he's self-parodying, he is in fact doubling down on the playing it straight, which has the opposite effect. Stop that. I'll kill you. Oh, hi. I'm the Batman. But the being angry and violent and with that voice is textual to the movie. Early on, Alfred says to Bruce, you might want to examine your actions, master. Or something to that effect. Oh, you're going off the deep end, Bruce. And I'm like, this sounds very familiar. Remember when not too many years ago, Jeremy Irons, as Alfred said, pretty much the same thing in a way that was clearly supposed to be a lot more overtly textual to Batman v Superman. 
new rules. We're criminals, Alfred. We've always been criminals. Nothing's changed. Oh, yes it has, sir. Everything's changed. Men fall from the sky. The gods hurl thunderbolts. Innocents die. That's how it starts, sir. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness. That turns good men cruel. That he's saying to Bruce, but Ben Affleck, Bruce, in so, not so many words, you're branding men on purpose so that they get killed in jail. That's cruel. You're being cruel as Batman. You're killing people by proxy on purpose. You don't seem to care anymore. You've gone off the deep end, Bruce. Who's Alfred was Jeremy Irons? Oh, Ben Affleck. That's how much it sinks in, folks. Alfred, uh, his Jeremy Irons was also... His Jeremy Irons. His Alfred was also pretty good. He was in Justice League as well. Yeah, I've just remembered it. Yeah, okay. I just Michael Caine is kind of fairly emblazoned in there as far as uh, live-action movie back. You can borrow the rolls if you want, sir. Just bring it back with a full tank. Yeah. I was just going to say, absent the occasionally merciful, dryly delivered humour of the Nolan films. We talked about that back in 2012 when we covered them. I found some irregularities. Their CEO is in police custody. No, not with their numbers, with yours. Applied sciences. Whole division of Wayne Enterprises just disappeared overnight. I went down to the archives and I started pulling some old files. You don't tell me you didn't recognize your baby out there pancaking cop cars on the evening news. Now, you got the entire R&D department burning through cash, claiming uh, it's related to cell phones for the army. What are you building for him now? Uh, a rocket ship? I want $10 million a year for the rest of my life. Let me get this straight. You think that your client, one of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the world, is secretly a vigilante who spends his nights beating criminals to a pulp with his bare hands? And your plan is to blackmail this person? Good luck. that good luck <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like uh, the, the 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 occasional wry things even christian bale was occasionally funny and dry rachel was funny sometimes gordon was funny sometimes scarecrow was funny sometimes sold the man in the cold sweat and since heath ledger's iconic 2008 performance Every single actor who has followed him has, in some regard, been doing an impression of Heath Ledger's take on the Joker without ever making him funny. And Ledger's Joker was funny. But we know fans are only here for one reason, the Joker. And they're barely gonna get any of him. 
Experience Jared Leto's intense method acting that blurred the line between actor, character, and total douchebag. Who did you send used condoms to? Oh, everybody. In an interpretation that combines James Franco and Spring Breakers. Look at my <laughs> With Ace Ventura. This handsome hunka hunka. Alrighty then. And a cat, I think? It's so edgy, you could cut him out of the movie and it wouldn't make any difference. There is not one smidgen of humor in three hours. I'm like, you can't do this to me. You can't make me sit through a man dressed as a bat for three hours and be this super fucking serious. You can't, and they do. They totally fucking did. It's a way, it's a way. It's just not my way, folks. Uh, Selena is kind of a cat burglar who Bruce collars uh, early on and says, I want you to help me. And she's like, ugh. Okay. She goes into clubs and does the things that Bruce can't do by being a girl and guys who are corrupt. The corrupt! There is so much of Gotham that is corrupt! Uh, so he says, be my bait. Basically. She puts on a, uh, a little camera... Uh, contact lens and looks at people and occasionally she's like I can't look at him like you know he's a he's a, a a mass murderer and if I piss him off I'm gonna be on his kill list or something along those lines and he's like look at him look at him just look at him <laughs> and <laughs> you said there were no humor in these no 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 yeah I didn't laugh but uh, yeah I've got here notes dull interminable dangerous dudes <laughs> Oh, I know what that dangerous dudes means. Fixation on liars in power. Mm. Right. The Riddler is really, 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 really pissed off about liars and phonies. Let's have some more of Elliot Goldenthal's iconic Riddler music. He, it transpires, grew up in an orphanage. And there's a whole lot of like Thomas Wayne signed off on this orphanage and he was going to support it, but then it burned down and then all the orphans got turned out into the street or something. So he left us, he left us behind. He was a liar, a lying politician. And as it turns out, I didn't even notice this while watching, but that orphanage was Wayne Manor, which had been donated by the Wayne family. So Bruce lives in Gotham, which is maybe more practical for getting to crimes quicker, but less practical when it comes to returning to Batman's man cave at the end of the night, and potentially being tracked by your enemies. You know, Batman's famous uptown apartment? And the Riddler's really got it in for Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne, a bunch of other people in the city. Like He's just killing them all over the place and sort of leaving Batman clues. And one of the clues is uh, something about a flying rat. And Batman was like, huh? And they're following up this thing on a flying rat for an hour. And eventually the penguin goes, that's la, not le. It's, it's, it's Spanish. He's talking about a bat. And I'm like, you didn't think he meant bat? I had to sit there for an hour waiting for the world's greatest detective to catch up with me. So another theme of this film is, Batman's not very good at doing the Batman stuff. Because as it, as it transpires, the Riddler is, is killing all these people, tries to kill Bruce Wayne, ends up getting Alfred. Uh, but he's doing it because he actually wants Batman's attention. He's like, 
I'm doing this thing to get rid of all the liars. I'm doing it for us. We saw There Will Be Blood uh, last night. It is a magnificent film by Paul Thomas Anderson. I wanted to see it just to see Paul Dano get hit in the head with a skittle because watching him in this film go, oh, you don't know. What am I, who am I doing there? Oh, it's Pollock's Troy from Face Off. <laughs> He's beginning to enjoy being you. Paul Dano's skill in a dual role in There Will Be Blood, one of the brothers he plays is a pastor and an aggressive evangelist who embodies everything loathsome about those con men who whip their congregation into a frenzy, not based on their own faith, but because they really like the attention. And the money helps. Get out of here, ghost. Get out of here, don't you dare turn around and come back. For if you do, all the armies of my boots will kick you in the teeth. And you will be cast up and thrown in the dirt and thrust back to perdition. And as long as I have teeth, I will bite you. And if I have no teeth, I will gum you. And as long as I have fish, I will bash you now. Get out of your trying to work out who is worse, him or Jared Leto. It's got to be Jared Leto, because Jared Leto in real life sent used condoms to Viola Davis, and that's just being unbearable. Whereas I, I would imagine Paul Dano is at least a decent chap in real life. He's just an oily tick of an on-screen presence. I have never heard anybody say anything about Paul Dano as a person. Okay. Anything. Cool. Good, Good or bad. Which suggests he probably hasn't done anything. Ah, so he's a young version of Colm Fjord. <laughs> but anyway, like he, he's an annoying wet splat of an actor. Anyway, but he's supposed to be. The Riddler is is framed as the guy who's obsessed with Batman, but who in reality Batman would go, "You're a dick." Too. It's just that this Batman's also a dick, so I, I kind of don't care. It does kind of feel like having gone through, I'm Batman, but I'm double Batman. No, oh, I'm, I'm double Batman. Batman. I'm triple Batman. We're now into, I'm the Joker. Well, I'm double the Joker. Well, I'm, I'm triple the Joker. Because if you remember, folks, uh, Jesse Eisenberg's uh, Lex Luthor was also very the Joker. <laughs> Let me take you back to the night I saw Batman v Superman and my first impressions that I was reeling off to Sharon. Didn't much like Kevin Spacey's Lex. Clancy Brown is pinnacle for me. He is fan-bloody-tastic and was for years. It would have been nice to get a Lex that wasn't dancing from foot to foot going, ah, ha, 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 my plans are coming to fruition. Just, you know, poking you in the ribs and then when you try and stop him, he starts poking you in the chest and the back. Like an imaginary friend you're cursed with going, <laughs> There was one weird moment of like 4D where he's just chomping down some Jolly Ranchers and he shoves a Jolly Rancher into a the, a guy he's talking to's mouth and he says, swallow it, it's cherry. And I was eating a friggin' cherry Jolly Rancher at the time. It was like, <laughs> weird, you can taste the screen. Did not expect that to happen. So he's he's kind of the real... That was the best moment of the film for me, by the way. Was it? Oh my God. <laughs> so the, the best moment of this 
eagerly awaited film. Will not in any way affect anybody else. Oh yeah, it was great. It was cheering. Um, so yeah, so he's kind of he's kind of Riddler-like then. Yeah, actually, I did think about the Riddler. Yeah. Spank me. Like the jacket, it keeps me safe when I'm jogging at night. I simply love what you've done with this place. Heavy metal meets house and garden. <laughs> you sunk my battleship. Surf's up, big Kahuna. Somebody tell the fat lady she's on in five. Batman, you say? Coming for you! <laughs> I'm counting on it! Was that over the top? I can never tell. Mm, excellent. Okay. <sighs> Stop thinking that this hero and this villain are the only things we're interested in. It's a false dichotomy. It's a very false dichotomy. A dichotomy is where two things exist in opposition of each other. If every hero is Batman and every villain is Joker, comics get real fucking boring, especially if you're always trying to be Batman. So as it turns out, this particular Riddler has been firing up alt-right dudes on the internets and you get going in all these fucking politicians, these phonies, and there is a black female politician who's actually like, I'm gonna move Gotham forwards. Everyone, meet your new commissioner. I am invisible. Meet Barbara Gordon, the new commissioner of Gotham City. Wow. She was top of her class at Harvard for police. She cleaned up the streets of Gotham's nearby sister city, Bloodhaven, using statistics and compassion. And now she's bringing her new ideas and her nunchucks to Gotham City. Congratulations, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Here she is, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Hooray. Miss Gordon, over here. Over here. Wow. Thank you for the oversized key to Arkham Asylum. And, uh... What's, what's this? Thank you for the switch to the bat signal. Nice. <clears throat> Dad, you've always done a great job protecting Gotham City. Flip! <laughs> That's me. Thank you. A along with Batman, of course. Woo! Let's hear from Batman! And uh, Matt Reeves is on her side. He's like, you know, the, the, you've got to be able to believe in some people who actually do want to move us forward. But she kind of strikes me as uh, the woman in the Purge election year who's like, I'm going to go out and I don't care if they try and shoot me. And she goes out. Oh, they will try and shoot you. And the disgusting nerd guys all try to shoot her. We'll come back to that in a bit. Put a pin in that. Mm. By the way, you're not disgusting if you're a nerd. I'm a nerd. She's a nerd. These are disgusting guys who happen to be nerds and are caricatures. That's disgusting. Um, but the, the problem with making all of your villains that, and don't get me wrong, it has its place for definite. I have seen it done well. Mm -hmm. But making all of your villains that actually serves to make them feel like there's more of them than there actually is. Yeah. Well, I mean... Gratifyingly, there's actually only about five dudes. And I'm wondering if that was because they wanted to illustrate that unlike in Joker where there's a massive fucking mob, there's a lot fewer of these people than there there are. Oh, you mean in the movie? Right, I thought you meant on the internet. I was gonna say, well that's brilliant, let's fuck! 
find them. Round them up and the problem solved. It's not an accurate uh, cross-section. <laughs> but um, uh, it's it's also possibly that uh, can coordinating a fight uh, at the top of a very narrow catwalk, you need to only keep your dude numbers down. Yeah. But either way, uh, they're, you know, a small number at high elevation with sniper rifles, which the Riddlers all fired them up into thinking that they really, really want... It, it, it makes for a kind of a threatening, like a, a, an everyday threat, something rational Americans are very afraid of for a good reason. At least prior to COVID, like this was obviously written prior to COVID, filmed during COVID, got struck by COVID, Robert Pattinson caught COVID from other people who went out partying in Manchester. Because it was all filmed in shithole, Bogner, fucking Stoke-on-Trent, not even the armpit of the world. If an anus had an anus, that would be this version of Gotham. It's like it's coming out of the ass of the ass. So let's go back to the whole thing I said about dialogue and discourse with previous Batman films. In Batman 1989, we've got to look at the conclusions. The conclusion is, he's frightening, but Gotham recognizes that he's a hero. He gave us a signal! In Batman Returns, I'm fucked up. And I'm more like my enemies than regular people. That's quite profound. That, by the way, is the last time that Batman was merciful and supportive of his villains in the movies, and it was to Selina. It's always Selina. She gets an out because she's just a cat burglar. Everyone else is a mass murderer. True, but he does also tell Selina not to kill Shrek. <laughs> what are you doing in my swamp? Not that Shrek. Please kill that Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Should I call him Max instead? Is that Max. confusing? He How tells about a kiss, Auntie Claus? Yeah, he tells Selina not to kill Max, and she says, True. no, people like him get away with it all the time. Mm -hmm. He has to die. Yeah, and I, yeah, as an audience member, it's hard not to agree with her. There is something similar in The Batman. Selina wants vengeance on Carmine Falcone. I got bigger fish to fry. But yeah, I, when we, we covered Batman the Animated Series last year, uh, I miss that idea that Bruce almost nurtures these guys when they're banged up in Arkham because he wants to believe that they can get better. Because he wants to believe that he can get better. There was a smidgen of that in the Schumacher ones. You know, with, uh, with Mr. Freeze, he's actually merciful to him a little bit. Mm -hmm. He then puts him in the same cell as Poison Ivy. I don't know whether that was Batman's choice or not. And Freeze is just going to choke her to death because she killed his wife. So, <sighs> save one to kill another. But he definitely, like, makes sure that Two-Face dies. And he doesn't give a shit whether the Riddler is rehabilitated. So, Mask of the Phantasm. His conclusion is, if I'm ever happy and content as Bruce Wayne, Batman fades away. Which is sad, and it ends on Andrea being sad on a boat. And it's a, a sobering and mature end note and beginning note for Batman. In Batman Forever, it's I don't need vengeance anymore. Like, you know, I'm now Batman because I choose to be. Which was something that uh, Joel Schumacher wanted to tell. He wanted to, there was more to that story, and. Like, the idea of him seeing a psychologist, even though that psychologist was bad. So 
it's at least dabbling in the idea that he's not just fucked up the way that um, Michael Keaton played him and actually can, you know, feasibly become a, a caped crusader rather than a dark knight. If you, if you turn up to a therapy appointment in your negligee, you might be a terrible therapist. I'll bring the wine. You bring your scarred psyche. Have you seen these? Yeah, they're lovely. <laughs> in Batman and Robin, having a bat family is neat. That's pretty much it. It looked like they were going in the direction of Bruce can't control who lives and dies, and he has to say goodbye to Alfred. But at the end, Alfred's fine. We're all better now, yay. Looking forward to a fifth film. In Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne is the mask. This is who I really am now. In The Dark Knight, and this one foxed me. What's the end decision of The Dark Knight? Can you boil it down in the same way that I've sort of like managed to condense it into one sentence there? Because I got confused and it got complicated because I couldn't get it done in one quick go. What's the conclusion? Folks, uh, if you want to tweet or uh, put uh, messages underneath this Patreon uh, feed to tell us what is the conclusion to The Dark Knight, because I've, I've written something down, but it may not necessarily be what correlates with, uh, with your take home, which is tough for a movie that everybody loves. Most people love. A lot of people love. It's very celebrated. Very highly rated. Very I, respectable. I think, for me, the essence of it actually comes... Your reading. My reading of it. Yeah. The, it comes a little bit before the true conclusion, but it is that Batman can't win. Ah. He needed Harvey to win. Batman can't win. That's a hell of a take home from the Dark Knight. Two-Face places him, uh, sorry. Joker. Um, Joker places him in an unwinnable situation, hmm. but he also can't walk away from it because he loses then too. He walks away from it for nine years. No, he can't... No, but at the end of The Dark Knight, yeah. he's not walking away from it. Oh, no, he's driving away on his motorcycle for nine years. He is walking away from it. He's not the Batman anymore. Like, he retires at that night. He hasn't not, been seen in Gotham. But he's not being Bruce, is he? He's not truly putting the Batman away. No, he's, he's going to he's hide in his hiding. house for yeah. nine years. Yeah. This is why The Dark Knight Rises fucks The Dark Knight. It really does. It really does. Yeah, now what I put down was, um, Joker is wrong, people are essentially decent, and if we have to cover up the crimes of a fallen hero in order to cultivate that decency, then so be it. Blame Batman. Question mark? Batman can't win. Batman can't win. So same conclusion as you. Uh, he may not be the hero that this city needs, but he's this hero the city deserves. He's frightening, but Gotham recognizes that he's a hero. He gave us a signal. Bye bye, Batman. See you in nine years' time for about a month. But it, it when he says there that he's the hero the city deserves, he's the scapegoat the city deserves at that point. Or the scapegoat the city needs. Why not blame it on Joker? Joker will go, I didn't do it! And it's like, oh, are we going to listen to the testimony of this mass murderer? With a face like a clown? Isn't he dead at that point? No, Joker didn't die. Did he not? No. Oh, I thought he fell off a building. No. 
He got hung by his foot as the hanged man. Dark Knight Rises, end conclusion. What would you say that was? See, that kind of tries to imply that Batman can win, but only if he is no longer Batman. <laughs> I've got, I'm no longer sick and I can now live happy and content, but there is still merit in Batman as a symbol of hope against the darkness. It's quite wordy, but that is basically like, that is how you square away the cafe ending and the Blake ending. True. Yes. But what you've left there is a city that's dependent on a symbol that they don't have anymore. Ironically, the whole, like, he's from an orphanage of uh, Riddler made me think, is this Jason Todd? Like, is he, I, I got that he was from an orphanage and that there was a, I, I was wondering whether there was a weird kinship with him and Bruce and something going on there and maybe that Jason Todd would actually be something else, but just, he's not, so. Because obviously I was reminded of Blake and his whole like, I saw a look in your eyes, you look like an orphan, and I can always tell another orphan, and I'm like, it's remarkably specific, Blake, but okay, you're the detective, dude. Okay, so in Batman v Superman... Be called Martha if you want to survive. Be called... We are the sons of Martha! Okay. <laughs> we will save all Marthas, everyone else can go hang. <laughs> I was caught in an obsessive, furious, and murderous loop, but now I see the invincible alien I was trying to kill was human after all, and so am I, and then he died for us, and now I have guilt, and I'm thinking of starting some kind of Justice League with this hot, mysterious lady. That's very complex. Like the Dark Knight. I mean, like, the, the, the actual arc for Batman in that is that he's bad Batman at the beginning and then he's good Batman and then when he mm, snaps the necks of those guys like, and then blows up the guy with the flamethrower he's still definitely good Batman at that point. You're an idiot! Shh! You'll wake him. Bad Batman morally or bad Batman in that he's not very good at being Batman? First one then the other. <laughs> By the end he's had more practice and is better at being Batman. Uh, end conclusion of Lego Batman. Bat family good. I'm healthier and able to enjoy life. Jerry Maguire. I can't do this on my own. That's good. Uh, I, I've got, I uh, was lonely and the reddest guy in Gotham, clearly. But having friends is kind of better than that. Yes, this is real music. Dark, brooding, important. Groundbreaking. Check out the lyrics. Darkness. No parents. Continue darkness. More darkness. Get it? The opposite of light. Black hole. Curtains drawn. In the basement. Get it? That's just the first verse. Darkness. No parents. Super rich. Kinda makes it better. The Batman. I've been powered by vengeance all these years, but being faced with villainous men now makes it clear that that is ugly and dangerous. Because when one of the sniper guys gets beaten down, the police say, "Who are you?" And he says. I am vengeance! And Batman goes, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> a better actor would go, ooh. 
hmm, gonna have to rethink this whole bad thing. And all my attitude, I'm gonna need an attitude adjustment. I need a timeout. But no, but, uh, because he's Robert Pattinson, he just stares with his jaw half open, breathing. And everyone's like, oh, oh, what an actor. Oh, what a fucking fantastic screen presence Robert Pattinson is. Anyway, the conclusion, and at this point I've just been sat through the movie going, oh God, this is like, I'm just, I, I get it. that The movie seems to be illustrating that Batman is on a very unhealthy journey. But the conclusion is, I can be hope. And I'm like, no, that's, that's Superman, dude. And that doesn't mean that Batman can't be hope, but that's just, he's frightening, but Gotham recognizes that he's a hero. He gave us a signal. It's just the same things over and over again. All of those other Batman films that I mentioned, some element is in some way in there, apart from doing this with lots of other people around me is important. Catwoman's like, you wanna go to Bloodhaven? I'm taking my motorbike there. And he's like, no, I've gotta go out into Gotham. And somehow Gotham gets completely fucking flooded. It's a little bit like the No Man's Land um, uh, comic arc. Or Batman The Dark Knight Rises, where Gotham gets cut off from the rest of America by Bane and his cronies. It says it's doing it now now live on YouTube. Yeah, meeting is now streaming live on YouTube. Hello, Gotham City. Hey, hey, (laughs) how are you doing? Yo, Um, oh, Alf is here. (laughs) Musical guest, (laughs) Alf. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so we have Alf and Bane. That's right, it's Bane from Gotham City and the League of Shadows. Now, Steve, did you make that yourself? I purchased this off the Etsy store. (laughs) Oh, so you're telling me there's someone on Etsy right now who's just making Bane masks? I accidentally bought two of them. Yes. (laughs) My wife will not wear it. (laughs) It does kind of get conquered. It becomes Bane land. Yeah. Welcome to Bane land. (laughs) Sir, this is bad. But, like, honestly, watching the Harley Quinn show really kind of broke Batman because everyone in that is a human being. Even fucking Joker. Knock, knock, who's there? It's me, Joker. Harley's at Penguin's nephew's bar mitzvah. She crashed the stupid thing? Yeah, seems like she's doing pretty well. Brought a tiger. Pretty cool. What? Anyone can buy a tiger. You know she has HPV, right? As most sexually active adults do. Shut up! I'm on my way. It's fascinating. That is a great show. And so now, watching this... On a technical scale, I am there for the personal growth and reasoning that Batman is of potential benefit to this city. She drives off to the left, he drives off to the right to go off to become the symbol of hope that Gotham needs. But because it's this film, the idea of Pattinson continuing to be this Batman in this Gotham, it is in fact a sad and frustrating ending for me personally because I will almost certainly never see the Batman that I want to see up on screen. 
Like, not this is not going to put to an end all, you know, all, all Batmans are now Robert Pattinson. I'm sure there'll be another Batman. Like, we're going to see other Batman in the next few years in other films. They'll try out a whole bunch. But the point is, this series will continue. And I just, I don't think we're going to get a Batman that I actually can go, now that was a fucking Batman. <laughs> a Batman who's been doing this for a while and over time has become shrewd fatherly, compassionate, a little bit funny, kind of a stick in the mud, and other characters rib him about it. Not always right about everything. A man with a distinct Bruce and a distinct caped crusader, and one who is the centerpiece of a Bat family. Alfred, Barbara, Dick, Tim, even Jason and Damien, Selina, Leslie, Lucius, Helena, Lucas, Cassie, Carrie, and Bruce is just the stone tossed in the mill pond, creating these ripples. Every character who spider webs out from him can have their own agency in private lives. It doesn't always have to be about an angry dude. He's just the hub of the wheel, the centrum, if you will, bringing them all close to him so that they can make it through this high-tech vigilante campaign, which is what it is, together. And there's a joke a bit at the end when Paul Dano's like in a cell and someone's next door going, ha, 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 what you really need is a clown. I'm like, <sighs> so like the end of Batman Begins, you're going, oh, Joker next time. And Matt Reeves is like, honestly, we hadn't even thought about doing Joker next time. You fucking thought about doing Joker next time. Even if you didn't, Matt, if you were like, this is the first anyone's ever mentioned of it to me, that's why Joker's here. Joker's worth a billion dollars. You damn well gonna do the Joker. Not that I want it, it's what everyone seems to want over and over again. The Joker, the Joker, the Joker, the Joker. Enter the Jokerverse is coming, folks. There will be a movie or a TV show or something where they get as many fucking authentic Jokers into a room as possible to all do Joker stuff. You did think about it. You thought about it and, and you, you said, said it. it. <laughs> Indy thinks you're distressed. He keeps looking at I am his distressed. Hand. That's a good boy. Batman Ace the Bat House. <laughs> the Joker voices I found out after recording this was in fact Barry Keegan, who uh, you may have seen in Eternals. He's in Dunkirk, Killing of the Sacred Deer. Uh, he also does a really bone-chilling turn in The Green Knight. He's a fantastic actor. And there's a deleted scene that was filmed for The Batman and then released soon afterwards when everyone was like, Oh, Joker, 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 Joker! Where he performs as the homogenized Joker, the one who comments on society all the time, who is an armchair sociologist. Every actor gifted with this role is just rushing, in some cases clearly urged by the studio in this direction, to get to the I'm just stir crazy version 
of Joker. The one who doesn't seem to have much of anything else going on apart from badgering Batman and commenting on us living in a society. One of the reasons, by the way, that Heath Ledger's Joker was so special, and it was, is because we hadn't seen an on-screen Joker for 19 years, unless you count Mask of the Phantasm with the great Mark Hamill. Since then, we've had Jared Leto, Zach Galifianakis, Joaquin Phoenix, and now Barry Keegan. Four Jokers in 14 years. That's an average of one new big screen Joker every 1200 days. And with every other villain like Riddler and Lex Luthor all trying to be their own version of Joker, he's not special anymore. So here's that deleted Hannibal Lecter scene. There's a serial killer. I want to respect him. That scene did not make the final cut of the movie, but this scene with the Riddler, that Sir Hannibal Lecter scene, did make the final cut of the movie. I told you I'd see you in hell. What do you want from me? What? Oh, if only you knew how long I've been 
stay for this moment. I've been invisible my whole life. I guess I won't be anymore, will I? They'll remember me now. They'll remember both of us. You know I was there that day. The day the great Thomas Wayne announced he was running for mayor made all those promises. Later, he was dead, and everybody just forgot about us. All they could talk about was poor Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, the orphan. Orphan. Living in some tower over the park isn't being an orphan. Looking down on everyone with all that money. Yeah, there's a subplot where Bruce is delivered the revelation that his father might have been into some shady shit. Covered up that his mother had mental health issues, she was in Arkham for a while, got blackmailed, might have tried to intimidate the guy into fucking off, might have had the guy killed. And I was like, okay, so if he's doing this crusade to avenge the good memory of his parents, and then he finds out that at least his father wasn't actually all that fantastic. In fact, he might have better resembled the version of Thomas Wayne that we saw in that Joker movie. He might actually have to find a reason to be Batman that comes from within, not from his dead, paragon, lionized parents. So later, Batman's going to have this conversation with Falcone, and Falcone's going to be like, Hey, did you know your dad paid me to kill a journalist back in the day? Did you know that? Oh man, that's going to shatter Batman's world. It does. So then Batman goes to confront Alfred about this, and Alfred's like, Oh yeah, no, that's not true. Oh. Yeah, it turns out the crime guy was lying. That checks out. Yeah, glad that was resolved. Resolved immediately, yeah. They pulled a, Oh no, Chewbacca's dead and it's all Ray's fault on us. What? She's all in your head. You're sick. You think you'll be remembered? You're a pathetic psychopath. Begging for attention. You're gonna die. Oh, no, 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 no! Nobody! No! So to round up the themes of the movie, Bruce is not a great detective. He's supremely white privileged, exactly as Selena says. He misses clues, doesn't understand people. Supremely antisocial, never takes off the cowl. My father only saw a monster who could not be tamed. You tamed my monster. Okay, just shut up. How was that, by the way? Are you done? I hadn't showered that day, and I fight crime in a rubber suit. Really seals in the flavor. Oh, dude, Jesus. Doesn't really talk to Alfred, certainly doesn't listen to Alfred, and spends most of his nights beating up poor people. It's a critique on Batman, reflective of the way that the Disney live-action Beauty and the Beast seem to be weirdly responding to YouTubers declaring that Bell had Stockholm Syndrome and asking, reasonably enough, Hey, why did all the servants get turned into teapots and candlesticks and the beasts 
toilet. It is a meta-reactive take on Batman. And Bruce realises at the end, oh, I'm not very good for Gotham doing what I do right now. So he can either just leave it, because it's a shithole, leave it behind, or, realising that there are people there who need help, go and help. And again, I actually really applaud that as, as an ending. It's just that, unfortunately for me, it means more of this. So it's weird to be philosophically in line with the movie and dread the outcome. <laughs> But unfortunately, like I said, all Batman movies are in dialogue with previous Batman movies. My response can't not be meta. Because its conclusion will only be meta. It does feel a little bit like, much though you did not enjoy it, this is the Batman that the current times deserve. Yeah. Like I said, the, the, the threat feels relevant. Creepy dudes on the internet getting all fired up and deciding that they hate phonies and liars. <sighs> I mean, it's a bit 1960s. <laughs> oh, uh, I didn't even mention Penguin. That's how integral he is to this plot. He's there, and he's like, oh, that was Colin Farrell. Okay, that's cool. He's got his own show, because he, it was like, wow, a guy had a personality in a Batman film. Better give what him were a the show. fucking odds? Give him a show. <laughs> Someone said the uh, Squirrel Girl show had been shit-canned, which is a damn shame because I was really looking forward to Squirrel Girl. But, I mean, never fear. All they need to do is cameo Squirrel Girl in Ms. Marvel, have her say one funny thing, which then gets turned into a meme, and she'll get a show. Because they now measure shows based on Twitter activity. They greenlight, they greenlit the fucking Dune. They haven't even started filming the second part of Dune, and they've already greenlit a TV show about the Bene Gesserit, the creepy old psychic women. And it's like, finish your vegetables before you have your spin-off dessert, HBO. And I completely understand the reason why. Cinema is an unknown quantity right now. There's enough anti-vaxxers to make it really fucking risky putting a large amount of money into a film. But TV can be put out anywhere. But back to the whole Bat Family idea. Nolan managed this to a degree, with Alfred and Gordon and Rachel and Lucius and, passingly, Harvey and Selina. However, despite this sense of connection being his forte, it is, because he did those second two Apes movies and they were magnificent. Matt Reeves seems to maddeningly want to avoid it here, presenting us with a lonely, quiet, slight, thin, morose, disconnected, unintuitive Batman who occasionally puts on a Bruce Wayne mask when he has to go get a pint of milk, and even then, not even to feed the cat. His world is so utterly empty that in the rain-sodden streets of Gotham, he has become a shadow. The ultimate point of this movie is a critique on the furious I am vengeance version of Batman and an admonishing of angry dudes obsessed with this one superhero in particular. And that could have been accomplished by not delivering precisely this for three fucking hours and then faintly promising someone less grumpy question mark next time. We saw that movie. It was called Justice League. Neither cut was good. P.S. Michael Giacchino's score was annoying. <laughs> it kept going... Duh, 
Just the same thing over and over again, never peaking. Any variation on this is mostly mood music. And I think I've already established that the mood is monotone. And the crescendo is merely these four notes, louder and louder and louder. There's one point, by the way, where Penguin and some guys are arguing, and Batman's like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Um, <clears throat> says here, we have a contractual obligation to show what the Batmobile looks like in this world. I don't seem like a guy who would comfortably drive around in a car and like, look at this place. Visibility is minor, it's raining, it's gonna be very dangerous out there on the road. Can't turn my head. Yeah, uh, I can't, yeah, I can't turn my head. I feel like if I chase you now in a car, lots of people are gonna die as a result. And Penguin goes, yeah, it'll be fucking great. We can put it in the trailers. And Batman goes, okay, cool. And just wanders off, goes into his car, and then goes, vroom, 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 vroom. Are you going to go? Vroom, 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 vroom. And everyone's like, oh, my God, the bat car. And he's like, vroom, 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 vroom. And then Penguin's like, do I, so I just get in my penguin car and just go? Cool. Okay, right. Gets in his penguin car, they go. Eventually, a fucking oil tanker goes sideways and explodes in a great big fucking gulf of flame, definitely killing the driver, because Bruce didn't just want to take the penguin out in the street, he had to get his car out. That was the most lift-out car sequence I've ever seen. I could edit this film together, so it's like Penguin there, Batman's there, and then it cuts to Penguin, Batman and Gordon, and Batman's cross-examining him, and the whole fucking car chase did not need to be there. And weirdly, that this was like in that bit, in The Curse of the Golden Flower, where after like two hours of just like, oh my god, this guy directed Hero and House of Flying Daggers, how is this film so bad? It's got Xiao Yun Fat and Gong Li right there, how is this film so bad? Oh my god, thank goodness, some ninjas have turned up. <laughs> Honestly, could have done with some more ninjas. <laughs> I know Batman's supposed to be a ninja, but he did not convince. So, uh, let's God, rank... he's taking the inverse law theory of ninja competence. Yeah, he's one ninja. Isn't he? He's one ninja Therefore and he thus... he has to be able to defeat everything. Everyone in Gotham with his car that can blow things up. <sighs> I mean, like, the whole point of that scene was that the thing blows up and the penguin was going, I got you, ha! And you're like, oh my God, is Batman dead? Halfway through this three hour film? Oh my god, are there no more Batman films and is Bruce Wayne dead? Oh no, he's racing through the flames. And then he races through the flames and it turns out Batman isn't dead. But they put that in the trailer so I already knew Batman wouldn't be dead. Do you know who should have scored this movie? Bonnie Tyler. I <laughs> <laughs> a hero. Anyway. I need you tonight. Uh. I could be vengeance. No, 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 I need, a, I need a hero. I need someone to symbolize hope. No, 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 no. Hope is a bat symbol. Is it though? He gave us a signal. School of Movies is funded not by a crazy billionaire, but by you, good people, who give us hope every week by offering your support. A big thank you to everyone who throws even a dollar into the pot as it all 
adds up and helps us pay our bills and keep the lights on and the food on the table and the movies and TV and games on our screens so that we can talk about them with you, Circle of Life, through this intense and turbulent era. We hope we help. And a special big thank you to the folks at the $15 level whom we give a shout out to every week. So that is Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salgueiro, Dan Hebner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tima Hellas Hario, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. And we love to give back to you. Folks at the $5 level and up have been enjoying our weekly bonus feed shows recently on Cyrano, the new Mortal Kombat and Resident Evil movies, Dragon Ball Evolution, Fist of the North Star, Death on the Nile, Scream 5, Uncharted, Tick Tick Boom, West Side Story, and Licorice Pizza. Plus a full hour on Morbius, which I think I will be releasing as a double bill with Venom 2. Let there be carnage. On the main feed at some point in the future. But for the time being, both remain Patreon exclusives. Here's a clip. At the Nobel Prize ceremony, Jared Harris's character says that... Michael Morbius's research into blood diseases has saved more people <clears throat> than penicillin. No. 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 You can't be that stupid and get to write a script. You can't be that stupid Penicillin's and get to write a script. for a long time. <laughs> Good God. How many lives has penicillin saved? 200 million, apparently. Penicillin became the most effective life-saving drug in the world, conquering diseases such as tuberculosis, gangrene, pneumonia, diphtheria, and scarlet fever. It effectively eradicated a whole bunch of things that killed Victorians dead all the time. It made Alexander Fleming an international hero for discovering it, and they're the basis of antibiotics, which save 200,000 American lives annually. This was cultured in the 1920s. So that means that Fleming has practically a hundred year head start on this little goit. And Fleming received the Nobel Prize. This is information I managed to find in one and a half minutes on Google, <laughs> which makes it feel like Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless. Burke is a British name meaning numpty, fool, idiot. And Sharpless is the best name for an idiot writer. These guys wrote Dracula Untold. Fucking terrible Dracula film. The Last Witch Hunter. Fucking terrible Vin Diesel witch hunting movie. Gods of Egypt. Fucking terrible Egyptian mythology movie. Power Rangers. Actually, I quite like that one. Story only. And Morbius. How can you only have written 
five horribly received films that no one liked and still get work. It feels like they specifically either ignored the history of penicillin or went out of their way to go, fuck you, Alexander Fleming, this is the new guy. Directed by Daniel Espinosa, who directed Life, which is rotten rubbish. It feels like Sony were desperate to throw money down a hole and go, let's get writers who can't write, directors who can't direct, a star who has no screen presence and is genuinely obnoxious in real life, and a fucking composer who's just copying Hunt Zimmer. Poor Michael. It must suck being the most special boy, and yet everybody hates you. Special medicine boy! The, he's the best medicine he's boy. He's the perfect vampire boy. <laughs> So yeah, that's on the Patreon feed right now. You want to download it today? Throw in $5 a month, you get access to well over 200 bonus shows. I'll probably put out that double bill when Sony attempt their next. Hey, we got characters. Who wants to see our Vulture movie? Uh, Keaton said no, so he went back to Colm Fjord. So yeah, when that Vulture movie comes out, we'll put out Morbius and Venom 2 on the main feed. But let's get back to The Batman, the movie where the Riddler says, You were supposed to understand. I'll make you understand. Ranking the theatrically released Batman movies. This is my personal list, obviously. This is in no way reflects the quality of said movies. Number 14, dead last, The Batman. I will watch all the other films on this list, even number 13, again. But I don't think I ever want to see this. Like, even, like, even if the second one's, like, if this is like the Godzilla, and the second one is King of the Monsters, I'll be like, yes! That's a Batman I wanted to see the whole time. Why did they start with that? And then people won't see it. Be good now! And then people won't see it because they're like, no, I saw the first one, it was miserable. I don't want to see more of that. And then you get the fucking Avengers of Batman movies, which still hasn't happened, by the way. Which brings us to number 13 on this list. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Followed closely by Warner Brothers and Joss Whedon's Justice League. Right, you say you'll watch all of these again. If you watch that again, you're watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I might watch my cut of it. That's fair, okay. I edited together the theatrical and Zack Snyder cuts into a bearable, if long, movie, which still retained the hurricane of weeners. <laughs> it did. It was not as butt-numbing as the Snyder cut, though. Honestly, it's how he ended it. That sour, sour note about, uh, yeah, we killed Wonder Woman because people liked her and she was actually a sort of a symbol for hope. We killed Aquaman because people liked him too and he, his film was goofy and fuck that. Uh, and killed Harley. killed Harley. How she suffered! And look who we got for you, folks. It's Jared Leto's Joker. Who wants this guy to come back, huh? All the fucking David Ayer Cup fans. Yes! Jared Leto's Joker, the one true Joker. Look at this sacrilegious shot of him as Jesus Christ himself. <clears throat> Number 12, Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin is a film I get told over and over again, if you don't like this, you don't like gay people. And it's a camp farce and it's brilliant. And I'm like, y'all folks know where I stand on the on the rainbow. Uh, but 
I think the, the problem with Batman and Robin is it's not funny and it's trying to be funny all the time. And I'm like, <sighs> it's actually funnier in montages and just little bits. So it, it's never going to wear you down because doing this for two hours straight is kind of an endurance test. Freeze, ice, freeze, ice, winter, five, frozen, ice, freeze, winter, ice, ice, freeze, winter, winter, freeze, cold, frosty. Okay, after that, uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which actually, there's a couple of things about that movie, now that it's kind of gone nowhere, mm. that I like. It led to Aquaman and Wonder Woman. It did? And there's something operatically bad about it. It's just so catastrophically everything's wrong with it. And I could see, in future, the Batman climbing back up the list if what comes after it turns out to be something I really like. And number nine, Batman Forever, the uh, Riddler one with the joygasm and the groin grabbing and the Jim Care. Honestly, I do wonder what that ver uh, that film with Robin Williams instead of Jim Carrey would have been. What? What are you doing? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I wonder what the Batman would have been like if it had been Jim Carrey's Riddler opposite Robert Pattinson's I believe Batman. we already know. <laughs> Better movie. <laughs> Seriously. Jim Carrey, in any of his performances, manic and unhinged or weirdly inhuman, or weirdly inhuman and manic and unhinged, better Riddler than, I mean, this Paul Dano, his character is clearly supposed to be a, a kind of a shot of a man. And you're not supposed to think he's cool or compelling. <laughs> Have I broken her? The dog is looking at her like, oh no, what is wrong with my mistress? Interestingly, he does leave a question mark shaped shot on his cappuccino to illustrate he has been there. <laughs> You've hit that laugh that they talked about on We Hate Movies in the episode on Ford Fairlane when you can't even... It's the Dom DeLuise laugh where you can't even breathe in. <laughs> this is extraordinary. What did I say? Honestly, I never reached this level of hysteria in, ba in The Batman. I reached it, I think... It was just... <laughs> talking about Batman v Superman, maybe, but, uh, but not in the movie. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is good radio, folks. Casuality and speed with which you refer to him as a shot of a man and then moved on. <laughs> and for a, that wasn't the thing that made me crack. It was the fact that my brain then said, Do you want to stop Alex and ask him to explain what a shot is in case anybody either didn't hear him or doesn't understand? And then another part of my brain, a slightly more rational one, went, No, it doesn't matter! <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was the summer of <laughs> This is just this is either our worst or best podcast ever. And then I very quickly got to that point where I'm laughing 
because of the sound of my own laughing, which is ridiculous. <laughs> That's terrible. That's, that is the. Do not make the mistake of the laugh of vanity. <laughs> no, no, no. Not that I find myself incredibly hilarious. Just the fact that that noise of me wheezing because I can't get enough air to actually laugh is more ridiculous. Okay. <sighs> I'm sorry, sweetheart. We're almost done. <laughs> no, it's okay. You, Let not, me just race not, through these. It was not. the summer of 1995. <laughs> a young boy wears a Jim Carrey t-shirt. He's the Riddler. He's going <laughs> like that. He's wandering around. He thinks he's cool. He was not cool. He's not cool. I'm not tired because of this. It's just, it's been a long day. Yeah. Uh, number eight, The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, there are several elements to it which I think are really, really cool. The Batman, the Catwoman score by Hans Zimmer. The let me just play that for you now. I love this. It's like a cat walking across a piano's keyboard. It's so beautifully subtle. Much like every film that is subsequently released is in dialogue with previous Batman films, this podcast is in, pre in dialogue with previous Batman podcasts. It can't not be. We've covered so much ground. Just like a bat. I dig, dig it. it. <laughs> but I mean, like, he was getting somewhere. It was like, now he's finally part of a league. No, he's not. <laughs> But now DC's like, not we well can't this. do these big team-ups. We tried once, badly, and nothing, nothing worked. Oh my god, they did only try once, didn't they? I yep. keep thinking that there was a Justice League 2, but there wasn't. It was <laughs> the Snyder Cut. It was just more of the first more one. Of the same, yeah. And a hurricane of weirdness was felt by all. Okay, but yeah, I, I actually, even though uh, Bane absolutely should have been uh, somebody of Latino extraction, Tom Hardy's Bane is a memorable, formidable, chilling screen presence and audio presence. He fills up your ears. Believe us. No, you stay here. I'm in charge. Do you feel in charge? And this gives you power over me? What is this? Your money and infrastructure have been important. Till now. What are you? I've got some reckoning. Here to end the borrowed time you've all been living on. You are pure evil. I'm necessary evil. No. It's one of those ones that can be done once, and if you try doing it again, it's going to sound very, very silly. It, like, the only reason it didn't sound fucking ridiculous is because of that mask, that maw that Tom Hardy had, and the supporting cast all performing suitably shit-scared of him. So there's that. And uh, Michael Caine's tearful performance, even though he gets knocked out of the film halfway through. To try to stop me. I am using the truth, Master Wayne. Maybe it's time we all stop trying to outsmart the truth and let it have its day. And it also means losing someone that I have cared for since I first heard his cries echo through this house. But it might also mean saving your life. And that is more important 
And number seven, Batman the movie. That's the Adam West one. I recently did a uh, uh, after school club on that and how I've reappraised it and really enjoyed it the most recent time. Possibly as a result of so much grim Batman, I just relish and appreciate the fun and silly ones. Not enough to find Batman and Robin funny, but enough that uh, Adam West Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. is suddenly way more appealing. And dehydrated pirates. It's, it's crazy. And it looks really great on Blu-ray as well. Uh, number six, Batman Begins. Absolutely fantastic operatic Batman again. It uh, suffers a little bit from, from like being very brown. And uh, again, because they were using a set like Blade Runner, it didn't quite have the scope and that open city feel that would come later. But it still has a really good Bruce-Batman dichotomy. There's that word again. A separation between the two. And it was neat having Scarecrow and Rachel Ghoul, who were two characters who had not been given any screen time before. Because after that, you got Joker again, Two Face again, Bane again, Catwoman again, Lex Luthor again, Catwoman again, Riddler again, Penguin again. Oh, and I forgot Mr. Zaz was in there too, but he's never even fucking named. And in Birds of Prey, we got him again. And we're gonna have Bruce reconnect with his childhood crush, Rachel. Oh, we are. Yeah, and they're gonna reminisce about how they always used to steal condensed milk from Alfred. Condensed milk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we maybe change that to candy or something? No, you remember when you were a kid and you'd always be like, Mother, could I please have some sweet, sweet condensed milk? Uh, and she'd be all like, not until you've brushed Mother's hair, not until you've brushed it well. Oh, I think you might have had a weird child. Childhood. Oh, did I? Dang it, that explains some stuff. At number five, Batman Returns. At number four, Batman. We will be going back and reappraising Tim Burton's Batmans at some point in the future. With the clarity of experience, I appreciate the gothic, the camp, the twisted, and the weird. And of course, the high level of quotability they've maintained. Robert, what's up? Anonymous tip. Napier's cleaning out Axis chemicals. Why wasn't I told about this? Who's in charge? Eckhart, sir. Oh my god. Number three, The Dark Knight. What else needs to be said in its praise? It has a murky ending that I think is honestly, like if you take it on its own and you ignore The Dark Knight Rises, the film becomes considerably better because you can imagine Batman going off and having to deal with this uh, conclusion a lot sooner in his career and then carrying on and it just it seems like it's it's a a call that needed a response that we never saw <sighs> you have nothing nothing to threaten me with nothing to do with all of your strength but again, Heath Ledger's performance is fucking phenomenal. Gary Oldman's fantastic. The photography's amazing. The music, the momentum that just carries you through. Hunt Zimmer, James Newton Howard. It's, it is a splendid movie, though slightly troublesome. Number two, Mask of the Phantasm. Again, what necessarily needs to be said about it that much more? We've just covered the Batman animated series and why it's fantastic. And Mask of the Phantasm is a, is an, is a brilliant little slice of why it's so good. Like, if you're going to show anyone a Batman the Animated Series, there are a couple of really good episodes you could show them. Maybe show them three of those. Or Mask of the Phantasm in HD, and that'll give them a real, like, a cohesive story in a cinematic package that delivers this version of Batman. And it just feels like, put this out in cinemas. 
put it out in cinemas. Let people see this and be reminded. It's tough to get adults to come in and see a cartoon. Another, I mean, a couple of great Batman adjacent movies, the Teen Titans go to the movies and Teen Titans versus Teen Titans go. Both of those are great fun. They're silly and stupid and annoying and clever and, and subversive and quick and sparky. And especially Teen Titans Go to the Movies makes fun of a lot of this stuff that I've been talking about. So it's literally the opposite of Batman. It's not literally the opposite. It is technically the same critique. It's just that it delivers the opposite as that critique. Rather than delivering three hours of replication of what we've seen before and saying, this is bad. I, I know. Could you stop? Take one, Batman versus Superman, part two, and just have fun with it, follow your instincts. Magic. What's your mother's name? Martha. My mommy's name is Martha, too. Wait, what's your father's name? Jonathan? Mine's Thomas. What? Clark! Bruce, that was amazing! And at number one, the Lego Batman movie, which I think is gonna have, it's gonna, I, I await the day when that gets shifted off the top spot. It used to be, you know what guys, I think I might like this a bit more than The Dark Knight, but now I am absolutely, no problem, just. And I think it's because the more years elapse since The Dark Knight, we've had the Arkham games as well. That's kind of become the, the, the grim, dark, miserable Batman is the so the de facto that the Dark Knight's charms of like, we're finally gonna take Batman seriously. It's like, yeah, you and everyone that came since 2008. It's less special as a result of repetition. See, their morals, their code, it's a bad joke. We've dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you, when the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Black. All important movies start with a black screen. And music. Edgy, scary music that would make a parent or studio executive nervous. Logos. Really long and dramatic logos. Warner Bros. Why not Warner Brothers? I don't know. DC. The house that Batman built. Yeah, what, Superman? Come at me, bro. I'm your kryptonite. ready for some reading if you want to make the world a better place take a look at yourself and make a change who no i said that batman is very wise i also have huge pecs and a nine pack yeah i've got an extra ab now let's start the movie 
So that is my take on The Batman. Statistically speaking, a hell of a lot of you will have had a completely different experience. And this is definitely a step forward when compared with the genuinely worrying philosophy Snyder has been peddling. So it's at least moving in the right direction. Some of you folks actually straight up found it beautiful. And I hope what I've been saying didn't feel like a bad faith argument for a film directed by someone that I actually like and respect and whose apes movies mean a hell of a lot to me and have been massively influential on my own work. I feel like this was just, it is a, a difficult fabric for me to be rubbed up against. You know how if you, uh, your mother wore a very scratchy jumper and you'd be like, I want to hug you, ah, but it's scratchy. <laughs> it's that. And being immersed in this cold casserole of a Batman made me not want to be part of this world. And then I went out into the fucking miserable rain and went, where's my escapism? Not, not, I, I don't necessarily need escapism, but a little bit of theatrical flair may help me abide the rain. And when you're sitting there in wet shoes and wet jeans, a little gothic riddle and rhyme is deeply appreciated. And this does not have that. It has angry internet boys whom I avoid on a daily basis anyway. It has a lot of things that I avoid, if possible, including and especially Robert Pattinson. So what I'm gonna leave you with is a trailer for what I'm putting out next week, which is a re-release of my one-hour fanfic audio drama, Batman Breakdown. It takes place after Hush and Under the Hood in the comics, but before the big New 52 crisis point. But you don't have to know anything about the comics if you know who Batman, Robin, Batgirl, and Joker are. If you've never heard it before, it's one of the best things I've ever done based on somebody else's property. And it will deliver to you a potted version of what I would love to see in a cinematic Batman story. Not the events that would be horrible and shocking, but the ethos, the worldview, the idea that this is a family and you don't have to be alone. It is, in effect, what if Batman got therapy? Hello, my name is Alfred Pennyworth, and I'd like to make a withdrawal. Everybody down on the ground! Bruce, I can't even begin to imagine how you feel right now. Give me the gun. Come on, son. But you've got to talk to us. Why are you out here tonight? I'm fine. Batman, look what you're doing. Look what you nearly did. Look at me. Look at me! Typical. You goddamn bottom-feeding son of a bitch. You think that just because you've got the power to take something, that you have the right to. And when I take that power away, what do you learn? What do you learn? I, I give up on it! I made mistakes. Batman can't afford to make those anymore. Yes, he can. Look, if you're not going to talk about this to me, you can talk to someone professional. Dr. Jennifer Whitman. Alfred and I handpicked her for you. Dr. Whitman. 
woken up with bullets flying through my tent. I can handle this. I don't kill. Ever. But I've wanted to kill them. Every night. What are your reasons? For one of these days, Two-Face, Zaz, Joker. Right now, I can't trust myself not to. You're quitting? I haven't been okay in a long time. So you're handing over. We've all got friends who are succeeded. Hal, Ollie, Barry. So who's going to take over the cape and cowl if we skip town? I want to call him my son. I know you, Bruce. This has hit you hard. Oh, no, Bruce. I can't do this anymore. You don't walk away from me just like that. 